Welcome to another David McCracken Ministries podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. When I was preparing to come, I said, Father, I'd love to preach on this. I'd love to preach on that. There's a few things that I've been burning in my heart to to minister uh, recently, and uh, it was like... Uh, batting my head against a brick wall. It was like my father said, no. Nah. And I said, okay, maybe I'd just better listen. He said, that'd be a good idea. Um, and so I got a blank sheet of paper. And what I want to share with you is actually much more uh, of what do I see. Uh, prophetically, as I leaned in and just interceded for you as a church, what do I see in 2023 moving forward? And I saw five things, and then I saw two or three scriptures. So I want to share them with you, but each one of you listening, what is Father saying to you in particular? So the first thing that I saw was new frontiers. I, I mean, virgin territory. I'm talking about new initiatives. I see decisions that will greatly impact the communities, plural, plural, communities that God has placed you in and yet will place you in. Um, And that he's uh, preparing you for that process. So the first thing I want to say is that it's a venturing out into the unknown. Uh, Friends, let me say to each one of you out there that if you want to live in the comfort of your armchair, you're never going to live in Miracle Street. Uh, uh, It's scary to go into new territory. It's scary to get out on the edge of the limb. It's scary to, to take new frontiers for God. But that's where the miracles are. The miracles aren't in the comfort zone. They're not in the safe zone. They're when you get outside of that that the miracles are presented to you. And so I see a venturing out into the unknown, which is going to demand of you a greater sense of dependence on the Holy Spirit rather than a greater dependence on what can be done. Okay. Number two, I see a repositioning. I see a repositioning in order to possess those new territories. And I saw the repositioning in these areas. Personnel, I saw the repositioning of personnel. I saw the repositioning of finances, the repositioning of priorities. What for? In order to be able to take the new territory, to the virgin territory, the new communities. Okay. Um, Number three, I see Pastors Craig and Nadia, of course, along with their uh, Pastors Luke and Melissa. I understand the relationship there, but I saw that the oversight of this house having to make, at times, very difficult decisions. In order to comply with God's directive, sometimes when God does a repositioning work, decisions are Critical, and not all of them are easy decisions, but there will be grace-filled decisions. Um, And so, number four, I see this church making a transition from being singular. I'm talking now about this church, this particular Melbourne, the one I'm standing in right now. I see this church making a transition from being a local church from being a singular, a local church identified as such to becoming a hub with many spokes. Um, And I see a multiplication of campuses 
from this church. I know this church in itself is a campus, but I see a multiplication taking place from this church. And, it's, uh, and I see that there's coming a highly intentional uh, preparation for that to take place. And that preparational process will accelerate in 2023. Uh, and that's why I'm here primarily this morning. Um, and uh, for number five, I see a great new significance in a very well-known scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We all know it, but for some reason, it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be always in front of your eyes. And it simply says this, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. In other words, they do not exist in the tangible. They don't exist in that world that we can see with the natural eye. But let me tell you something, if it's in the heart of our God to do it, it does exist. It exists in his heart, and if it exists in his heart, then it exists in the spirit world, which is a, a I don't know I have another hour, but I, I, I'm a great believer in living beyond the veil. The spirit world is incredibly real. It's the realm of God's reality. He lives there. And he then uh, gets a, 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 a flash of what he wants to do and immediately is created in the spirit world. It exists already. Your faith does not create anything. You've got to get that because otherwise you'll be laboring, you'll be stressing, you'll be striving to produce something. Don't ever fall into that. Your, your faith can't create anything, but your faith ignites your obedience and your obedience draws that reality from out of God's realm of the Spirit into your world of the tangible. Okay, and the moment you start stepping out in obedience to the Word God has given you, you will find that God then causes that reality that he's already seen, already prepared to slip through the veil and you can start seeing it tangibly. But do not expect to see it tangibly unless you first take the steps of obedience because it's your obedience that releases it into the world of the tangible. A lot of people are waiting and begging God to do something when he's already said for you to take the first step. Well, Lord, show me steps four and five. No, no, you take step one. You take step one. You see, who wants to walk on water? Nobody? <laughs> yeah, surrounded by water. If God gave you the opportunity, who would just like to walk on water once? Come on, come on. That's never been the question. It's not who wants to walk on water, it's who wants to get out of the boat. Everybody wants to walk on water. Not too many want to step out of the boat. Everybody wants a miraculous miracle and the testimony that results from it, but not too many people want to position themselves to where the miracle is necessary. But it starts with a hope. It starts with a hope. 
It starts with a dream. It starts with a God-imparted thought that whelms up inside of you by the Holy Spirit and you begin to hope. I love Psalm 37, 4 and 5. It's one of my uh, key scriptures. I, I governed my life for many decades. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I've heard that many people misquote that one scripture. Oh, there it is. It's in the Bible. If I desire it, God will give it to me. doesn't say that. The word onag, when it says delight yourself in the Lord, uh, Lord it means to bubble over with the affection and simplicity of a child. That's literally what the word translated. It means a kid running in, oh, dad, and leaping up, bubbling over. There's no agenda. It's just bubbling over to their father. That's what that word means. And it says, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give, Nothan, means to take out from one and bestow into another. He shall give you the desire. It's the desire itself he's giving you. It's first birthed in his heart, but it's only as you bubble over with worship and adoration and simplicity and love and devotion that you are open enough to receive the desire that he wants to place in you. People say, "How? what's the answer to guidance? Oh, simple, be a worshiper. Bubble over, bubble over. Live a life of bubbling over. I was bubbling over in the car, even after, if I had to go through 1,700 sets of traffic lights to get here. And uh, with every one, I just bubble over all the louder. So there you are. But you see, it starts there because it's in that moment God places the desire, the hope. Everything God ever has done on this planet has started with a hope being planted inside of somebody. I believe that the next 12 months will be the birthing of unreasonable, illogical expectations about new territory to take. And I'm here just to fuel you on that. Don't expect it to be normal. Don't expect it to be reachable. Don't expect it to be comfortable. It's not going to be. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible. So let's establish that once. Just, just don't go past that. Just stop there for a minute. It is impossible. So, so if you hear somebody uh, say, uh, you know, maybe the leadership will make a, a, a statement about something that's ahead and someone leans over to you and says, that's impossible. Light up. Say, yeah, yeah, you got it. That's right. Yeah, because what's the use of God calling us to do the possible? We can do that already. We know what to do. You know, a lot of super spirituality stuff floating on. We know how to run a church. We know the things that need done. We know how to witness. We hope God will anoint it. We hope God will empower. But there's stuff we know how to do and we can do it. I got up this morning, I had breakfast. I knew how to do that. I didn't need a... I didn't need the Holy Ghost. I just sunk my teeth into it. I knew what to do. 
But there are things that God asks us to do that we can't do. So the first thing is, yes, with men this is impossible. God is not reasonable. He doesn't have to be reasonable. He's God. But with God, all things are possible. And there's a phrase that I want to sow into your DNA, into your, who you are. Miracle margin. The miracle margin. <clears throat> so many people and so many churches have missed the greater intention of God for no other reason that they do not live a life, a culture of expecting the miracle margin. They plan two and two make four. Friends, I've lived for 50 of 75 years, 56 in full-time ministry, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Two and two don't make four. Without God, they do. And I didn't bring any books or resources with me. Just go to the website and get them there. But one of them is called You Did What? That's the name of the book because it's just filled with insane, illogical, unreasonable, miracle-towing place. Pastor David down there is on my board. He knows I'm not lying. It's just chocker with things that could not possibly happen. I can't resist it on my wrist. I'm going to have to tell you one of them. I was just walking. Margaret and I were on the coast of Italy in this old fishing village place. And she suddenly got this notion. Isn't it crazy, some of the notions? Here? And, and she, she said, our suitcases, we, we need bright ribbon for our suitcases. I says, honey, honey, look around you. There's no, none of these people would know what bright ribbon was, let alone speak English. And she says, no, I really feel we need to get some bright ribbon for the suitcases so we can spot them easily. I said, oh. Goodness. So we went into a, a, a shop, and of course I'd never heard of it and hadn't a clue what we were talking about. So we went into the second shop, and they hadn't heard of it. We hadn't a clue, nah, you know. And, and then I went into the third shop. And you know, by the time I got into the third shop, if you knew my personality, I said, Father, enough is enough. I didn't come to this gorgeous place in the world to shop for bright ribbon. <laughs> you say you couldn't talk to God like that. Why not? He's my father. And I said, Father, all I need is bright, bright green or yellow. I don't mind. Just bright ribbon. <laughs> we walked out the same door we had just walked in onto the same footpath we had just walked in from. And all over the footpath was bright plastic green ribbon. And all I did was pick up a handful of it like that and say, will that be enough, love? Good. <laughs> and we went back to the motel. My friends, I could tell you at least 100, probably closer to 200 stories, just like that. Why? Because my father cares about who you are, your situation, but you've got to cultivate an anticipation 
of the miraculous. And I, I'm not exaggerating or saying something false. David will keep me honest. The fact of the matter is I really could stand here for the next three hours without repeating myself and tell you utterly miraculous stories. Lean in and expect the miracle margin. Of course it's impossible. That's what makes it such an incredible opportunity. Don't shy away from the impossible. One of those impossibilities will be me finishing on time. Um, There's only one thing that's critical to the miraculous taking place. Your instant and unqualified obedience. And so I want to share with you now the enemies of obedience. Why? Because they, in fact, are the enemies of you living a miraculous supernatural life. God actually designed us to live supernaturally. In the beginning, that's the way it was supposed to be. In the book of Acts, it was just normal Christianity. If you belong to Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost, you live supernaturally. That was all there was to it. But the decades of time have taken it from us. We need to live back in the realm of the supernatural. And so that's why there's such an emphasis at the moment of Holy Spirit encounters and Holy Spirit um, movement in the church and a new hunger for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is yearning to break forth his miraculous uh, person again in the church and through the church to society. That We've got to get out of the limitations of our humanity. And so here I quickly... Um, I want to give you the seven enemies of instant obedience. Therefore, the seven enemies of you living a miraculous supernatural life. Number one is pride, which is putting one's dignity and image above obedience. The second one is insecurity, putting the fear of man's response above obedience. False humility. Now, don't get it confused with genuine, humi- genuine humility is an incredibly powerful thing. It's dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful. But false humility is when you spend a lifetime trying to prove to everybody else how humble you are. It's a religious endeavor. Oh, I, I could never do that because someone might think I'm proud. Uh, uh, you know, God, no, no, I'll always stick to something small, something insignificant, because then everybody will know how humble I am. And all we're doing is denying the power of God from using us to do something significant. True humility does not have to be proven. Number four is self-gain, putting the potential of financial increase above obedience. If you're in the business world out there, any of you in business, keep in mind this. If you're making, it sounds the most insanely illogical thing for a business person to hear right now. But if the deciding issue is money, you probably will make the wrong decision. You say, well, money is part of the business world. I've got people I mentor in the business world. And I'm telling you again, if the deciding factor is finance, you'll probably make the wrong decision. Get the decision on your knees. 
get before the throne of God and say, Father, breathe into me your intention, birth your desires within me, and Lord, give me the courage to do what you ask me to do. You'll end up in the right decision. Procrastination, number five. Putting, it's all, a lot of people agree what needs to be done some other time. At a more convenient time, you'll argue yourself out of a miracle. Logic, logic, putting human reasoning above obedience, the need to understand it. You don't have to understand it. You have to obey it. I could give you about 10 stories on that one too. Anxiety, putting the fear of failure above obedience. Friends, if, if, if there's no potential for failure, there's no potential for success. If you, when you step off the end of a pier, when you step out of a boat, if there's, a lot of people say, oh, look at Peter, you know. Uh, he began to sink because he got his eyes off Jesus. Hey, when was the last time you jumped out of a boat and walked on water? I'd rather focus on the fact that he got out of the boat and he walked on water. Man, how many men in history have ever been able to do that? I better work towards the eventual possibility of a probable close. Um, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I can't finish without mentioning it because I've really felt the Lord trigger it too, that it's going to be significant through this time that you're entering into. Isaiah 43, 18 says, Do not remember the former things. What does he mean? He means do not get limited to yesterday's experiences, yesterday's steps of faith, or yesterday's disappointments for that matter. Don't get anchored to the possibilities available yesterday. Do not remember the former things. Neither consider the things of old. And then verse 19. Behold, I will do a what? A new thing. What do you think it means? Exactly what he says. A new thing. And I know a lot of new things today we could do without in society. But in God and in the kingdom, God is a creator. It's not that he once created. He's a creator, present tense. He is yearning to create. New thing, a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Not five years from now. Now. That means now. And then it says this, shall you not know it? I love that because it's the Hebrew word yada, and it means to ascertain by seeing. To know by seeing, and Jesus said, I do nothing, I do nothing other than I first see my Father do it. If I don't see him do it, I don't do it. But if I see him doing it, I do it. Once again, in the intimacy of bubbling over relationship with your father, stay listening 24-7 and be moments when in prayer and worship, whatever it is, in your mind's eye, in your Holy Spirit taken over imagination, you will see something. In that moment, you know that you know in your knower that God has just planted a hope, a desire, something inside of you. In that moment, 
Shall you not see it and perceive it? I will make a road in the wilderness. A road. He's talking about carving new territory. He's talking about putting a way where there is no way. But I, I want to clarify something here. The word wilderness doesn't mean a desert. That comes later in the same verse. But the word wilderness is the word midbar. And what it literally is, the Hebrews only used that in one context, when they were driving their cattle or their herds into unknown territory and they would suddenly come over the brow of a hill and there was this vast wilderness. You'll find in the Hebrew it was always connected with fresh pasture land. And so the way to explain that, that uh, one word is in the early days of American uh, settlements, they started on the East Coast, as you most know, and then they travelled in wagons out into the unknown. They had no clue where they were going and what was happening, but they would come over a brow of a hill. And many of them journaled and said, we saw the most incredible, vast wilderness pasture land, trees, places to farm. It's not talking about a desert. But God's going to make a way to get there. And then he says, then he says, and rivers in the desert. That's not a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. It means sometimes when God shows you the most incredible, fruitful, amazing thing which springs up like God wants us to do this thing. Don't be surprised that in that time, you, you personally, individually go through a time of dryness and you say, this is a contradiction. No, it's not. Cry out for the river. Yeah. He'll make rivers, yeah. rivers in the desert. I, I, last year, I had a quin at the end of last year. It was a great Christmas present. I, I got a quintuple bypass, five of them. And that was followed by our ministry center with my office and 56 years of Bibles and, and our studio and our, our staff quarters, all of that. The whole thing went up in flames and became an inferno and burnt to the ground. And that was followed by my wife getting a fracture in her back, then two, then three, then four, then five, then six. And she had seven crushed fractures of her back i tell you what, it felt a little dry for a bit there. And yet God was birthing in, not just me, but her, the most incredible things. And we said, Father, it's never looked more impossible. And it was then that I remember the Scripture, but with God. And I'm telling you now, the present reality right now is about as exciting as it has ever been in our lives, ever. And God has churned that about. But my friends, don't be surprised when God puts impossible dreams in you. If you're dry, don't take it as a contradiction. Take it as an invitation. The Holy Spirit wants to do something amazing. My time's up, but I'll tell you what I want to do right now. I just feel goaded. Because the whole secret to all of this is the Holy Spirit. Because there is only one source of miraculous, and he's a person. And I think where we start right now for 2023 is a new hunger, 
and you desperation and you cry for the work of the Holy Spirit to drink deeply of the rivers of life that we might become life to the multitudes. I'm wondering, why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, that sort of thing. Just, just forget everybody around you. Put it that way. Don't think about anybody other than your need for the Holy Spirit. I mean the supernatural Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the creative Holy Spirit of God. I'm not talking about visiting the throne room occasionally. I'm talking about living there, living there, living in intimacy, living with your Father's voice. And if anybody feels, God, give me new hunger. God, give me fresh passion. Lord, renew my first love. Let there be a craving for the Holy Spirit. And, oh, God, let me understand again what it is to bubble over in the presence of my Father. If that's you, then why don't you just stand right now and I'm going to close by praying for you. Because I believe that God responds above all else to hunger. He doesn't respond to perfection. He responds to hunger. And if any of you feel, oh, you don't know what I did last week or last month, I'm not worthy. That's the devil telling you. Because I tell you what, God's not the source of condemnation. All he wants is hunger. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we take authority and dominion this morning over every lying accusation or condemnation. Oh God, every thought that would divert any member here this day. Thank you that you love every single one with such indescribable love this morning. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare our hunger. We declare our thirst. Oh, God, we declare the cry from within, oh, God, that we might live beyond the veil, that we might live in intimacy with your heart. My God, that we might hear the voice of the Holy Spirit daily directing us in the ways of life. God, I pray that in the next 48 hours, every single person that's standing right now will have a visitation of the Holy Spirit, an encounter with the Holy Ghost of God. Father, I declare over them that they will enter into an era of the supernatural, my Father, that you they will never step back from what you're asking them to do. A whole new boldness of faith, oh God, because they meet with you, they commune with you, they live with you. Thank you, Father. May the leadership of this house ever know your protection, your favor, your grace, your empowerment. Father, we give you alone the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more content, head to our website, davidmccracken.org.